Today on the Zabecast, when making 43 million pitching in the major leagues just isn't enough. Two of the most highly paid sports commentators are simply the worst, but for two totally different reasons. Mr. X from his main bunker, and that's not a bot, that's Grandma. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Wednesday, August 8th, 2018. Thank you for the download. Before I get into today's podcast, a couple things I'd like to answer that I really can't answer when you people email me. And by the way, you can always email me, zabe at yahoo.com. I enjoy every email I get, whether they be constructive criticism or general inquiries or, of course, buttering me up. You're the best, boss. You're just the best. Two things, though, I get on a recurring basis. I wouldn't say a lot, but there are recurring themes. Two things I can't really, can't really answer. And I appreciate that you guys asked me this, but I can't answer these two things. The first one is, hey, Zabe, me and my family were coming to D.C. this summer. Just wanted to get your thoughts as to where to stay, what to do, where to eat, any general recommendations. You don't have to plan the whole weekend out for me. But I just wanted to know what is a must-see. Here's the problem. D.C. and the D.C. area is so vast. I mean, it is, you know, people in our area, for those that listen here, know this already. But if you're listening somewhere else around the country, you don't. I mean, we're talking about people I know that I interact with, some of whom live in Annapolis, Others live where I live in western Loudoun County, beyond Dulles Airport, beyond Leesburg, and and that's not unusual. And, and we cross each other in and around the region. Some people drive as much as 100 to 200 miles one way each day. 200 miles might be a bit much, but still. Um, so it's such a vast area, and it's so sort of sectioned off. I mean, there's the Maryland part and the, you know, Virginia part, Virginia, Northern Virginia is tech, it's AOL, it's a lot of server farms, it's Tyson's Corner, it's Ashburn, it's Reston, I'm already explaining these, these, these different suburbs, and for those of you visiting, you're like, I don't know what those mean, so I should just stop right there. My point is, if I tell you to go stay somewhere, it could be 35 miles from where you need to be, whether it's Aunt Nana's house or a museum you want to see, and there's museums to see. I mean, this, it's just too vast. I can't, if, you, if you email me and say, we're staying here, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, but we have time on this day to do one other thing, then I can say, oh, oh okay, well, if you're going to be staying downtown and going to a play, the museums, and a Nats game, while you're down there, you might want to check out this. Come to me with a already set agenda as to where you're staying. Or if you're like, well, we're staying at my you know, sister-in-law's house and she lives in Reston. We're going to drive down to the Nats game one night. But otherwise, what do you recommend? Where should I go? That'll give me a bit more that I can you know, go on. That's number one. Number two, things I can't really answer very well. How do I hook up my three TVs and a stereo receiver so I can switch the audio? 
I could easily help troubleshoot you on this stuff if I was there in person. But here, via email, eh, it gets to be a bit much. And by the way, I get more and more emails from people saying, you know what, I finally I took the plunge. I, I went ahead and I got my own five-hour energy dome. For example, Mark Maine. Hello, Mark. He writes, good morning, Steez. <laughs> I love that people call me Steez based on that one misprint of a sign at a remote one time. He says, big fan of all your work. Thank you for making my commute home and our god-awful traffic and weather enjoyable. You, sir, convinced me of the need, all caps, for a five-hour energy dome, a.k.a. three televisions lined up in a row in my basement. You did this a long time ago, but it was only recently that you made this dream a reality. The cost to get this done is surprisingly low, which is what you have always said. Aha, uh-huh. ding, 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 ding. I installed everything myself, and I think the install went well. You can judge for yourself based on the attached picture. He attached the picture upside down, so I was like, uh, well, okay, I see that there. <laughs> he also has a man cave sign. He says, I know it's cliche, but it was a gift from my in-laws, so I can't trash it quite yet. Hey, in-laws, if you're hearing this, shh, shh. I didn't say that. His TVs are all Samsungs. Left, 43-inch Samsung Comcast cable box. Center, 58-inch Samsung Comcast cable box. Right, 43-inch Samsung Apple TV only. I'm very satisfied with everything except the audio. I must admit, I did not think out the audio prior to install. The audio is key. But okay, that's all right. Hey, look. Look, I'm happy, Mark, you've got yourself a setup like this. That said, I do have the ability to fish audio wires through the walls in the future. (sighs) Really? How easy is that exactly? Have you drilled through the 2x4s, the studs in your walls, to find fish them through? Okay, whatever. Anyway, I had a few questions if you'd be so kind as to provide some input. Number one, I went with all Samsung TVs. When I make a sound adjustment, any single remote changes all the TV volumes simultaneously. What's the best solution for this? First of all, I like the fact you matched up all the TVs. Good for you. Now, the anal retentive part of me thinks, what odd numbers? 43, 58. I'm sort of like a get a 65 and a 55, 55 on each side, or a 65 and a 40 and a 40, but ah, it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's that, that's me being super picky, like ugh, weird numbers. Number two, if I... If I want to get a receiver, how do you connect all three TVs to one receiver? Number three, is there a receiver out there that would allow me to switch audio between all three TVs? And number four, would this receiver require yet another remote? I'll hang up and listen off air. Thanks, Mark Main. Okay, um, a lot of questions here. Uh, best solution is to run your audio out of your receivers and this would be two Comcast cable boxes and one audio component out of an Apple TV, you run those into a receiver that then pumps it out via speakers, which are wired up to your receiver. Normally a 5-1 surround sound if you're going to watch movies, uh, but you don't have to. If you don't want to go a receiver with speakers, you can get something called a sound bar. A sound bar is just, well, it's you know what it is. It's a bar that sits under your TV, and it pumps out audio. Now, Scott Lynn got one that has three different discrete inputs. 
So there's three channels of the soundbar. And he does have a separate remote, which is not as elegant as you would like, that allows you to toggle through and just, you know, you set the TVs to what you want. Okay, baseball left, football center, golf on the right. And now all I'm doing is I'm holding my soundbar remote that says one, two, three, and I'm switching the audio. You don't want to be flipping. In general, you don't want to be spending a lot of time tossing one image or one channel onto the main TV and then flipping them back and forth. It just, I found it doesn't really matter. It, you put the main thing you want to watch on the main screen and leave it there. Same thing for the two wing TVs. And then when you want to hear one of the other two, just boop, hit your remote. Now, if you have your TVs wired through to your receiver, then it's easier to integrate the switching of the audio via a unified remote because your unified remote is almost certainly going to be able to talk to your receiver. A unified remote, generally speaking, will not talk to a soundbar, which is a more simple device. So while the soundbar is simpler and circumvents the need for a receiver and independent speakers, it does have the kludginess, that's a word my dad likes to use, kludgy, with, uh, you know, it has the kludginess of another remote you've got to keep your hands on. But that's that. Now, what about the outputs? Like, uh, uh, what form? Look, you can output audio from the back of your cable box and or direct TV box in, oh, literally six or seven different flavors. There is the right-left Fano out. There is one-eighth inch, quarter inch. There's digital there's like fiber optic audio and other formats nobody uses. So you're going to have to do a little research on that your own. That's all. You're going to have to do a little research on your own and get up to speed. And then once you've Googled, Google, 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 okay, I think I got it, come to me and say, I'm here at basically come to me on third and goal, fourth and goal. Don't come to me at the 20 after getting the kickoff going, okay, what's the plan here, Zabe? I need you to matriculate the ball down the field a bit further. But I, I love your emails. Thank you. And Mark Main, Mark, my friend, your life, your life is never going to be the same again in a, in a good way. And for that, I am extremely happy for you. So what happens when making $43 million pitching in the major leagues just isn't quite enough? Well, meet the case of former Yankee pitcher Esteban Loaiza, also former national. Esteban Loaiza, who was born in Mexico, Tijuana born, is going to change his plea later this week in a felony cocaine distribution case. He was arrested in February in San Diego when authorities said they found 44 pounds of cocaine in a van parked in a garage of a rented townhouse. Loiza, 46-year-old, uh, 46, initially pleaded not guilty in February, but a change of plea hearing results in the defendant submitting a guilty plea about 99% of the time. He's going to say, yeah, you, you, you got me. The Fed said they believe Loiza used the rented townhome as an immediate Intermediate destination for the cocaine. Prior to his arrest, during which Loiza was pulled over for a traffic violation, cops found a sophisticated compartment to hide contraband in his Mercedes-Benz. Well, how sophisticated was it if the cops found it during a routine traffic stop? 
The former MLB star had crossed the Mexican border earlier that day. Probably thought, I'm Esteban Loaiza. They're not going to search me. Authorities later got a search warrant for Loaiza's rented home in Imperial Beach, where investigators found the big stash of coke stored less than a thousand feet from an elementary school. I guess that carries aggravating charges with it. That's so, so fucking stupid. This was at a thousand feet of an elementary school. Yeah, well, those aren't his customers. They're elementary school kids. They don't have, they don't have eight hundred dollars for a a, a a kilo of co- a kilo. No, an ounce of cocaine, a dime bet. No, an eight ball. Eight ball. That's it. You know, Zabe, you really got to get your cocaine terms down. I'm working on it. So yeah, it was less than a thousand feet from an elementary school. Well, those aren't his customers. Number one and number two. If he was selling to elementary school kids. He could be five miles away and then get in his uh, Mercedes with a sophisticated compartment to hide it and then go sell his cocaine to little Johnny and little Susie. Loiza faces a mandatory 10-year minimum sentence and perhaps up to life in prison. For life, as Adam Silver would say, for this. Pitched for nine teams throughout 14 years in the bigs, including the Yankees, Dodgers, White Sox, Pirates. Um, Two-time All-Star, second-winningest Mexican pitcher to only, who, who, you people know, Fernando, Fernando Valenzuela. $43 million as a pro. Also was known for appearing on the reality show I Love Jenny, featuring him and his wife, Mexican-American singer Jenny Rivera. Uh, They were in the process of ending their two-year marriage before Rivera died in a plane crash in 2012. Oof. Sounds sounds awful. Who knows? You know, maybe he was uh, blackmailed by the cartels and said, hey, you're going to do this or or else we're going to murder your family. And, you know, you're a major league pitcher. Nobody's going to suspect you. I, I don't know. Or he's just stupid. It's quite possible that he was just like, duh. Sure, I'll run drugs for the cartel across the border. I'm Esteban Loiza, man. Who's going to stop me? Sometimes having opinions pays a lot of money. And in some rare cases, having no opinions about sports also pays a lot of money. It all depends exactly on where you're coming from. I've got two examples of guys in our business on completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Let's start with uh, good old Skip Bayless, one of the highest paid sports yackers out there. I think he got $6 million a year on a multi-year deal, plus a fat signing bonus to leave ESPN and go to Fox Sports 1. Here was an old take by Skip that was dragged up after Johnny Manziel's wonderful outing with the Montreal Alouettes on Friday night. Take a listen. Nine National Football League teams that needed a quarterback last night passed on Johnny Manziel, starting with the Houston Texans, who will forever regret passing on Johnny Manziel. And in a minute, I will go right down the list of teams that will forever regret passing on Johnny Manziel, who pretty soon will change football life in Cleveland, Ohio. (sighs) One day, I am predicting, Johnny Manziel will become even bigger in the city of Cleveland than his buddy and business partner, LeBron James, ever was in the city of Cleveland. 
Now, maybe he genuinely believed that bullshit the moment he said it. Maybe. I'd like to think that Skip Bayless is not that stupid. He can't be that stupid. But that's the kind of hot take that makes you rich. Or at least it made him rich. I don't know if there's room for anyone else to do this kind of an act. And it has to be an act because, again, Skip Bayless may be a lot of things. He's not stupid. I mean, that to, in it, you would think if, if companies are paying sports opinionists for their opinions, they would put a premium on the quality of the opinions. And an opinion that turned out to be this wrong and this bad would be like a disqualifying opinion that, yeah, Skip was pretty big on ESPN, but then he came out and said, Johnny Manziel is going to be bigger than LeBron James in Cleveland. And after that, nobody would hire him because they realized his opinions are pure shit and they're a joke and people laugh at them. And so there's no market for discount, cut rate, hot take, bullshit opinions. But that's if there was a rational market for opinions. There is sort of in television, I guess, an understanding of, well, okay, so he was wrong about that. It's a big deal. He was caught up in the moment. Hey, Johnny Manziel was a first-round pick. Hey, it could have happened. And that's and then, you know, the dogs bark and the caravan moves on and the hot takes just pile up. And there are any number of ones like this from Skip Bayless. He, was, of course, was jocking the Tim Tebow train. He saw that. He got on it. He banged the drum. He was all Tebow all the time. All the Tebow fanatics, and there were many. There are many still. Love Skip Bayless for it. People hated him for being so pro-Tebow. But his opinions had no actual insight as to, is he really any good, or is he just riding this incredible lucky streak? I remember during the height of Tebow mania and Skip Bayless was banging the drum for him. One guy, Merrill Hodge, who knows football and has good opinions and insight, was going around. He was on ESPN. He did interviews with us on radio. And whenever it came to Tebow, he's like, I I don't see it. He's just not a pro quarterback. And this was when he was winning games, winning playoff games for the Denver Broncos, and some people lashed out. How can you say that? He just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round of the playoffs. And Merrill Hodge went, well, here's why. And he went through, doot, 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 down the list. And where's Merrill Hodge now? Right, right, right. They didn't, they didn't run up and give Merrill Hodge a $6 million deal going, God damn, you were right all along about Tebow when it was unpopular to say that I don't think this guy has it, man, what great insight. We're going to keep paying you for that because you really have a knack for this. Skip Bayless got paid instead. So that's one end of the spectrum, Skip Bayless, the king of all hot takes. On the other end of the spectrum is one Mike Greenberg. Greeny. This from weei.com. Alex Reimer? Alex Reimer. It doesn't say here. I wish they would just give you a quick pop as to who he is. He might be an on-air host. It looks like he's got an avatar that shows him as an on-air host. It is uh, uh, Alex Reimer is the only man in Boston who owns a J.D. Drew jersey. Prior to joining WEEI, contributed to Forbes, Boston Magazine, SB Nation, Boston Herald. In addition to writing for WEEI.com, Alex is a frequent member of Kirk and Callie and Casting Couch. Okay, okay, good. So he's a bit of a writer, and he writes this. 
talks about Get Up and you know the show launching in April. And he says one of the primary concerns is whether Mike Greenberg, who spent 17 years cultivating a milk toast radio persona on Mike and Mike, would be able to siphon viewers away from the multitude of other morning shows out there. So far, the answer is no. Get Up ratings have been poor, to say the least. The main issue with Get Up is there's no real reason to watch, writes Reamer or Reimer. Traditional highlight shows recap the previous night's action with more proficiency, especially programs like Good Morning Football cover individual sports, and debate shows usually feature at least one captivating anchor or a guy like Skip Bayless who's just blowing smoke. Get Up, writes Reamer, is a mishmash of all three, minus the personality. A lot of this falls back on Greenberg. He never generates reaction, spewing mealy-mouthed monologues about topics ranging from Tom Brady abruptly ending his training camp scrum to the Astros acquiring alleged domestic abuser Roberto Osuna, who just returned from serving an 80-game suspension for domestic violence. Here's what Greeny said about, uh, here's what Greeny said about um, Tom Brady. Quote, I thought it was really interesting. Do y'all do the voice? Say, I thought it was really interesting, he said. I can't make up my own mind if I think the question is legitimate or illegitimate, Greenberg said. This was after Brady abruptly ended his scrum because he was asked by Ben Volan of the Boston Globe about the Edelman connection to Alex Guerrero and TB12 and his busting being busted for PEDs. I can't make up my own mind if I think the question is legitimate or illegitimate. Wow. Greenberg committed the cardinal sin of vacillation just two sentences into his take. He then doubled down. I'm not sure that's even the right way to describe it. So Greenberg is unsure that he has even described his fence straddling on the issue correctly. (laughs) It's very meta. It's like a... But Alex Guerrero, he says, has become such an incredibly significant figure around the Patriots for a variety of reasons, and of them having to do with this. But when you heard Edelman was suspended and that he was working with Guerrero, it's a connection that was made in certain places. Again, no one is painting a picture of clearly Guerrero is funneling these guys' PEDs. No one is saying that, Greeny went on to say. Of course, because he's always like, oh my God, oh my God, I might have said something slightly controversial. Hold on, let me back up, back up. Again, no one is painting a picture. Uh, No one is saying that, he says. I don't think the question necessarily was suggesting that, but there is an inference, I guess. I understand Brady being upset by it. Writes Reamer, those are 128 words of nothing. Since Greenberg is unwilling to take an actual stand on the appropriateness of a question in a press conference, it's not surprising that he also shied away from offering a concrete opinion on the Astros' acquisition of Osuna. And I won't even go through that either. It's the same thing. It's understandable if Greenberg doesn't want to go that route of being a Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith, or Skip Bayless, but he's also not being interesting either. He's just saying, well, nothing. As a result, GetUp is failing on all accounts. It isn't drawing ratings and fails to generate buzz. That's not a formula for success in morning TV. But here's the thing. For some reason, it has landed Mike Greenberg at the perch of TV sports punditry or TV sports at $6.5 million per year. Now, he just might have the most ruggedly perfect, handsome, middle-aged uh, face with great hair. By the way, great hair, Greeny. Fantastic. I'm so jealous. But they're not paying him for those opinions. They can't. There aren't, a, there aren't opinions. 
And he seems to be so gun-shy. So you have two guys in our industry, Bayless on one end of the spectrum, Greenberg on the other. They're both being paid $6 million a year, which is more than some power forwards in the NBA. And they're completely opposite. I'm not mad. I know it sounds like I'm just jealous and belly aching. I'm just, I try to figure out what gets rewarded and why. I try to piece it together to go. Sometimes I feel like Frank Grimes and The Simpsons complaining about Homer Simpson's incompetence at the power plant. I'm like, seriously, Skip Bayless? I mean, look at all of his totally wrong takes. Like, why? Of course, Bayless has become actually a pretty expert troll of sorts. And that there's an art to that that I kind of actually respect. Greenberg, though, you just wonder, well, who's, who's in love with Greenberg? Who's sway? How does he have such sway on executives there that he is the man? I don't get it. But, hey, more power to both of them. Broadcasting, sports broadcasting is a funny business, to say the least. And... Uh, I think it's constantly evolving as to what does and does not get rewarded, what there is a market for and what there is not a market for. But I know one thing. I figured this out a long time ago. Even though my goal as a sports pundit myself and and a personality, I still try to be right in my opinions, in my predictions, in my takes, in my angles, in my theories, etc. I try to be right. You know Why? Because it's fun for me intellectually to try to figure out what I think I see coming. It's a it's a bit of a game, and I like to be right. We all like to be right. We get we get to go. Ah, told you that. I'm smart, 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 smart. But I know this. Even though I try to be right, and I like being right, pff, being right doesn't pay. Not in this game, it doesn't. Maybe if you're betting on games, it does. But in in our business, no. There is no extra money for being right and being wrong doesn't cost you either joining us now from his main hideaway where you go to what convene with stephen king to talk about his next horror novel the great mr x joins us now hello mr x how are you hey i'm good how are you (laughs) so So you go to you go to maine every year you know my in-laws used to have a place up in bar harbor they ran a bed and breakfast we talked about this for a long time, but you, you've been going up to Maine for how many years now? Uh, every summer of my life. So Every summer well, of your life? Yep, yep. By the way, you're not on the Cranberry Islands, are you? Uh, no, but... I, well, you've been, right? About... Sure, sure. I know it well. The museum, the houses on it, sure, I know it real well. Uh, for those who have been up to Maine, there is, uh, in you know, off the coast of Bar Harbor, which is one of the big tourist spots in Maine, there are these little islands, one of them being the cranberries, plural, or is it cranberry the, there's island? Big, there's big cranberry and there's little cranberry. Right, so there's two. And Correct. It's a standalone, standalone island that's literally less than a mile off of the mainland, but there's no road to it. So to get on to the island, you've got to take a boat. And there's a small amount of people, Mr. X, right, that live on that island all year long, including... <laughs> what has to be some of the most bone-rattlingly cold winters on the water. Yeah, there's only a couple folks there through the winter. There's a, almost 100 homes for summer, but they don't. I don't know if there's So more it's more of a summer stuff. summer home island yes. instead? Okay. Yes, exactly. You know, my wife and I went out there once, and I was like, damn, this is like the end it. of the earth. If I ever am wanted by the mob 
and I need to go to witness protection, I'm going to the Cranberry Islands. Although I just said it, so I can't. But I'd go to a, another island just like that, which there are many up there. there there's plenty, plenty. Yeah. Just like today, I passed the Penobscot Bay and pointed out to somebody that's where they uh, sunk Red October. Really? Remember, Hunt for Red October, that last scene in it where they... Penobscot Bay? Yeah, Sean Connery and that other dude when they okay. try to ditch the sub so no one will find it. I've been tempted <laughs> to go look out there, but I don't know if they found it yet. And by okay. the way, ain't nobody going to find it out there. No. There's nothing around. No, there's nothing out there. So so you're up there and you're watching Sox games, basically. And you're oh, just... God, all day. All right, so yep. tell me, how much did you like them burying the Yankees in that four-game set? Especially the way the last one went down. Oh, was that sweet. <laughs> That's sweet. Chapman was on the hill. They had three-run yep. lead, and they fucking threw it away. Uh, and they just—he threw gas on the fire, and they blew it up. You can't write it better than that. By the way, because my mom watches them all day, every day. That's all she does. And today's 85th birthday. You know what that means, don't you? What's my, that? My eight, my over 84 and a half just came home. Did it really? So that yeah. was one of your releases for the year. No, my mom. She's 85. Today. Oh, oh, I. Th- so I had it over 84 and a half. Come on, try to keep up. <laughs> Sorry, man. I, I was already thinking, like, did you bet the Red Sox over eight? They surely must have been more than 85. Oh, so, no, yeah. they were 90, but it's looking pretty good. Fuck yeah, it's looking pretty good. It can't be stopped, basically. No. It's amazing. No, they're, 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 they're doing well. It's on par. Yep. Uh, so the Nats lost tonight. Not to I switch topics, but they yeah. uh, had a great day game. And then yeah. shit the bed tonight with Scherzer on the hill of all people. Three yeah. one your is final every, tonight. Is every big Scherzer game one one in the seventh when he leaves? Seemingly. Every playoff game. He just you know, he can't pitch any better, but he just he hits hundred and ten in the seventh inning and, and then they lose. And yeah, on it's top a, it's the same thing. On top of that, he's hitting over three hundred, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, tonight I wanted them to. I knew they were going to hit for him, and uh, I think it was bottom seven. I had the phone going under the dinner table, and I thought, let him hit and then pull him. <laughs> let him hit and then pull him. Uh, Philly lost in fourteen uh, innings uh, the other night in Arizona. They're leading one nothing right now as we tape this. So, I mean, the, yep. the Nats are just treading water. You tell me, Mister X, can they reel in either one of those teams? Probably the Braves, yes, but can they reel in Philadelphia as we approach now August 8th? Uh, you know what? It, what it comes down to is all they have to do is play like they should have all year. But guess what? I mean, they haven't yet. Right. So it's kind of hard. I, I'm, I haven't. I don't. I think they still can. I think it's fifty-fifty because neither one of those teams is going to run away. They're both going to slide. Both filling Atlanta. They're both destined to win. I mean, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Right, right. So it's not like they're chasing somebody who's about to turn it on. Um, there's nothing that would surprise me if they could just get one streak together and catch them. I didn't talk um, to you. I didn't talk to you since the trade deadline. How do you think Rizzo handled that? You know, I hate to be in the tank, uh, but (laughs) he did just what I would have done. Stan Pat? Um, Yeah, um, because to win it, they didn't need new guys. They needed the guys they have to get healthy and play. Um, So I wouldn't have gone out and bought. What about making a move for a catcher like Real Real Amutpo? 
Yeah, I heard the price tag was just too high. There's no question they needed a catcher uh, and, and obviously another starting pitcher. But when you're a game under 500, it's kind of hard to go out and, and, and buy. Yeah. So I don't think I would have sold and I couldn't have bought. I would have done what he did. Okay. I would have done what he did, which is, you know, they're not going to give up. Don't dish Murphy Harper, but let's see what happens. Play the hand you have. Don't mortgage your future for a team that's underperforming. And just, you know, take your shot. See what happens. I'm okay with that. All right. So as we approach the football season, and, you know, we haven't yet had the first round of preseason games, what would be your general thoughts, your general Your call has been forwarded to an. And we are back live. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's Sorry, okay. Man. What happened you. there? Uh, it's called the. Uh, you know that spot on the map where they show the ninety-nine point nine percent of U.S. covered with red. I'm yeah. in that little white dot. That it's not covered. <laughs> okay. All right, so fair enough. Sometimes here. All right. So Sorry, I was saying. I was saying with the NFL season coming up, what is your general yes. thoughts? on betting NFL football. And before we get into that, are you as good with football season totals as baseball? And if not, why not? Do I have to say this? All right. Yeah. Nobody is as good at anything as I am at baseball season totals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no so, humble so brag there. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Tell me what what are the when, what are the challenges of betting NFL season totals? Well, okay, you know what? It, it is great to. I, I do still like the totals. It's just I, I don't have the data, but what I would guess if I had it is when you look. I think mean, the, the margins in the NFL. You know, with every team winning seven, eight, or nine games. And they're all going to win about the same. They're all going to be. They're all going to end up out of thirty-two teams. I'll bet. I'll bet twenty-four of them are in play on that sixteenth game. Eighty percent of eighty percent of NFL games are decided by a touchdown or less, and eighty sure. percent of the league lives in a narrow band between seven wins and ten wins. So therefore, right. it gets very tough. And what people don't so notice what, a lot is that on the season totals. It may say Chargers ten and a half, but there is a weight to the odds payout underneath, meaning the under pays more or the over pays more, and so they get you there. Sure, but I guess I guess what I'm getting at is if I'm gonna the reason I make a play for a season long is obviously because you like the strength of it, but if it's going to come down to the wire, I'll just wait till the wire. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you play you play a team over seven and a half, and when they're seven and eight with a game to go, and you have let's just say an unusually large bundle on it, mm-hmm. you look and go, "Why am I doing that? You know, why did I have to make this fifteen weeks ago?" So I just feel like the only time you do a total is you know you should. I want to see at least a two, if not a three game right. margin. Like if you're number seven, and I think you're going to win nine and a half, ten, great. I'm not going to say, oh, it's seven. I think they're going to win eight. You know what? I got better things to do than that. <laughs> if it's got, I like that line, Mr. X. If it's going to come down to the wire, why not wait just wait for the wire? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's fantastic. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree I, with it, you on so that. The, with, so if I, you know, so I'm only playing a total, season-long total, 
when I think it's well off, and there's not but one or two, three a year that you can really find. Most of them are going to come down to the end. You know, if you well, find the next, you know, six-win team that's about to go to 10, like the Rams last year, great, good for you. But, you know, I, it, there's just, most of it is right in a very, very small window. I think it's better so, to sometimes try to pick catastrophe teams, basically where there's going to be a catastrophic failure of an of a booster rocket that blows a team season apart. So you take oh, a, sure. a high total team and you say, something's going to happen, injuries, bad luck, or whatever, and I'm going under. Of course, you probably could have done that with the Patriots now for 15 straight years and lost your ass. Pretty much. I mean, you go to every Patriots total, you look at it and go, okay, is it 12-4 and four or 13-3? and three? I, can't, I can't make that play. <laughs> I can't go under or over 12 and a half because it's going to come down to, hey, we've wrapped up the one seed. Are we going to win the last two games? I don't know. How do you, you think know, it's, it's gonna? How do you think it's gonna end for the Patriots when it does end? Is it gonna end in spectacular fashion, or is it gonna wind down in an orderly fashion, like a hurricane that just dissipates over dry oh. land? Okay, so we're gonna. I was talking this today. So we're gonna predict the end of Brady, and if you've done that for twelve years in a row, you're gonna finally get it right sooner or later. Well, you shouldn't have been doing <laughs> it for twelve years because then you would have been yeah. predicting the end of Brady at twenty-eight. But now he's at that part where you're like, this could end at any time. One hard hit to his sternum, and it's over, and they've got Brian Hoyer behind him. Well, I exaggerated with 12, but the point is, you could have said that any of the last three or four years. I mean, what was it that ESPN magazine last year put out that great issue where it said, the future of the NFL, and on the cover was Brady. (laughs) <laughs> is he still there? Come on, he's still. So you know what? Someday when he finally declines or hangs it up, there's going to be guys on the corner stool of a pub all over America and going, I told you he was a washed up. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to get it right sooner or later. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not going to be the one to guess on that because he and the hoodie just keep keep it rolling. All right, other, other just broad brush strokes, thoughts about the NFL season coming up. You know, I haven't dug into the totals yet. Um, I'm not, I, I tr- I'm one who tries to absolutely not even watch August. Because right. Because it just, it's, it's it bad. It's bad information. It's not even yeah. irrelevant information. It is bad Intel because you yeah, get fooled it, by yeah. people that are smart or should be smart, actually get fooled by August and they misinform themselves. By the way, are you working out right now? Mr. X? No, why? Am I you're, panting? Yes, you're <laughs> panting like an Airedale. Sure. Calm Sorry. down, Mr. X. It's just right. me on the phone, for God's sakes. <laughs> All right, I'll sit down. I was pacing okay. up and down the beach. Okay, okay. All right, go you ahead. You know, one of, the best, one of the best gamblers I know used to have a, um, a, a theory to, 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 to week by week in the NFL. And what he would do is when the NFL opened, he went on a two-week vacation to a tropical island. And then he came back and started betting week three. He said, I just, you know, those guys, everybody digs a hole in one and two when you don't know anything yet. Right. And then, and then you're trying to play catch up. He said, I, I make myself 
leave the country for two weeks. Do you buy? And do you, you buy? Want... Do you buy into that theory that it's good to lay back for the first couple of weeks till we see what we can see, or do you believe in the opposite, which is, oh no, the mistakes in the Vegas line in the NFL—they live in the first two weeks. You got to jump on. Uh, well, okay, I'm going with the former because if your theory is, oh. I know what Vegas doesn't know. (laughs) Come on. I'll take the other side of that every time. Most people struggle in the first two weeks because the lines look wrong to them because Vegas knows what they don't know. (laughs) And so if you're, if you told me you're, you're at uh, break even in week after into the third week, you're ahead of almost everybody. So I do try to, I, I don't go to the tropical island, but I do try to watch for two weeks and I try to minimize any activity until I get a handle on it because maybe it's just getting used to the new season. We know that they all merge towards eight and eight, but also there's a little bit of um, August influence, which it should never be. You should never do anything based on August. You oh know that. Oh my God, exactly. So, but I do try to, I do try to, that's why I try to, I'm, in September, I'm the only guy still paying attention to baseball. And it's because I don't want to really get into football until about week three. How are you on college football? Uh, it's easier than pros, but it's a smell test kind of thing. You know, it's not like you really know anything. But I do believe you can find, um, you know, smelly anti-public type lines don't, um, don't in college you th- way more than anything else. Don't you think the college football world is getting flatter and flatter all the time? It is, but you still have the, oh, look, LSU beat Tennessee 57-3. to Go the other way next week because the entire world just, just decided that they are, you know, um, they're going to just be overinflated. So I do love kind of generic go-against-the-trend sort of thing. You know, when Alabama wins 72 to nothing in a big game one week, I'll go the other side and take plus 49 the following week or whatever it might be. Plus, how about the fact? How about the fact that you are wagering on nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one-year-old horned-up college students who have a variability of output and effort that is perfectly appropriate for twenty-year-old kids who are in college, getting laid, getting stoned. They're not pros, so that fifty-six to three one week could easily be a nail biter the following week. Well, let me see if I got this straight. The college kids are harder to predict than that than pro the pros. not still getting laid and acting like an well, idiot every week. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I... know. I'll take the kid who cares over the guy making twenty million dollars and never sure when he's gonna show up. Okay, that's an interesting that's an interesting proposition right there, which I didn't think about. So maybe you're right that there 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 is cross currents both ways, but I look at it like at least the pros they're worried about their dollars, and they're always thinking about their dollars. So, yes, they're out trying to get laid and getting laid, and they're out smoking and trying to get away with it. But they know they've got to perform for their money. College kids, I don't know. Most of these guys know they're not going pro. Right? Yeah. Well, I don't or do know. They, you're, or you're, do they all think they are going pro? I don't know. You're looking at the side of <laughs> um, who's on the other side of the bet. I mean, you know what? When I bet on a dog at the racetrack, I don't stop and think about how many times he got laid this week. <laughs> you know, I'll bet, I'll bet on anything. It doesn't, you know, a college kid, a greyhound. You know, it's not that important. 
All right, you uh, you actually had you've had some pretty good uh, you know, championship long range prop bets in college football that you have sort of sheared off once the season got down to the end of it. Are you going to have yeah. one or two of those for this year? Because I mean, it's such a boring field of Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, maybe you somebody know, it, else. It's pretty hard. To, you know, it's great to say that. It's pretty hard to find that with the new format. I mean, in the old format, if you could, used to be if you could find some mediocre team that has one of those what's called one game seasons and has a shot at going eleven and 0, 10 and one, and and can sneak into the final two. I did that a few times where I, you know, by schedule you say this team may not be great, but if they can win on September twenty third, they can go eleven and zero and get in the title game. And you get them at a big up, but now with the four teams, and it, it's just thinning out. It's just the same powerhouse year after year, and there's no value in in playing those teams. The only value is when you find you know some twenty to one team that can get in it. You know, now they just like like who was like I got one of those last year. It's like hey, they got in it. Well, yeah, and then they got waxed <laughs> with the playoff. They're just going to get beat anyway by Alabama in the end. Yeah. It used to be you could maybe if Bama got upset once or whoever it is, you could sneak into the title game. Now you're just trying to be the number four team who gets crunched anyhow. Yeah. So it's gotten to be really hard to find that. All right, Mister X, we are looking forward to a fabulous football season. I want you to continue relaxing and working out up there in Maine and enjoying your Red Sox. And once you get back down here in a couple of weeks and when I get back from Scotland, we will dig in and we'll get ready for a monster football season. How does that sound? That sounds like a plan. Okay, we'll do it then. Let's do it. All right, right, see you, Mr. X. All right, we'll end with this today. The end of the Internet, as we know it, is nigh. Well, probably not. We can wish, though, right? The end of social media, as we know, it is near. Yeah, probably not either. But I'll tell you what, the slippery slope has begun. And right now, I would say most of the major social networking companies, they're like Clark Griswold, after having tripped on one of those 50,000 Italian-imported twinkling Christmas lights at the apex of their snow and ice-covered roof. They are starting the head first slide straight down the roof. Now, maybe they'll grab the gutter and hang on for dear life, but the slide has begun. So good luck stopping it. Now we have cases where uh, Reason.com, a libertarian publication, got a hold of an internal document written up by Democrat Mark Warner of Virginia. Wonderful. And the title of the document was Potential Policy Proposals for Regulation of Social Media and Technology Firms. So not only are the tech companies cracking down frantically to try to eliminate bots and Russian bots and bot farms and fake accounts and fake followers and hate speech and everything else. They're running around chasing their tail now. Now the government is like, oh, we're going to get in on this as well. So this potential policy proposal for regulation of social media and technology firms is the draft policy paper. Just a draft policy, but this is how they're thinking already. Mark Warner's office, Democrat, Virginia. The the proposal included things like mandatory location verification, 
The paper suggests forcing social media platforms to authenticate and disclose the geographic origin of all user accounts or posts. Mandatory identity verification, meaning you got to identify who you are. Bot labeling, which is forcing companies to somehow label bots or be penalized, yet with no word in the memo from Warner on how this would be remotely feasible. <laughs> and that brings us to this story. That ain't a bot. That's my grandma. Twitter recently froze the account of a what they thought was a bot that was tweeting up to a thousand pro-Donald Trump tweets a day. A day. The algorithm, and we're all slaves to the algorithm now on the internet, the algorithm said this can't be a real person. So they shut it down. Well, they heard then from one Nina Tomachevsky, 70-year-old grandmother, who said, uh, I'm not a bot, I'm a human being, and I really support the president. She's part of a dedicated band of Trump supporters who tweet and retweet Keep America Great messages thousands of times a day. She's part of a group. uh, Her her and her conservative friends use so-called Twitter rooms. Twitter rooms, which operate using the group messaging function to amplify their voices. She participates in about 10 rooms, each with 50 members, who are invited in once they hit a certain number of followers. The number varies, but newbies might have around 3,000 followers. Some have far more. Everyone in the room tweets their own material and also retweets everyone else's. So a tweet that Tomachevsky sends may be seen by her roughly 51,000 followers, but then be retweeted by dozens more people, each of whom also may have 50,000 or more followers. <laughs> she says she's learned some tricks to avoid trouble with Twitter. She's careful not to exceed limits of roughly 100 tweets or retweets in an hour. She doesn't use profanity, and she tries to mix up her subjects to appear more human and less bot-like. Oh, my God. And how are you going to police this? And how are you going to regulate that? And do you think government jumping in saying, well, we're going to pass a new law that says you must identify bots, otherwise uh, we're going to penalize you. Uh, Get out of here with that nonsense. So, yeah, uh, we're getting close to the point uh, of the Internet and social media's existence in which things are going to tip over upside down. The boat's going to flood and sink, and then everyone's going to scatter about, and we'll see where it goes from there. That'll do it for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Hit up that Reddit thread about how great this thing is. Leave a positive review and rating. Download, subscribe to all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, and more. And always remember, most things do end badly. Otherwise, they wouldn't end. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Back,